Truly, I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When God in our psalm says, Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Part of me says, last time I opened my mouth wide, I got sucker punched. When the prophet Isaiah says, the Lord has sworn by his right hand, I say, well, my friend gave me his word, and that didn't mean very much. How do I know that your right hand is worth any more than their word? And when our Lord says, there is no one who has left house or anything else who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, instead of being excited by that promise, I fear that if I give up everything and then get nothing in return, that I'll suffer a double loss. Not only will I not receive the thing that I was promised, but I will have also lost the little that I had to give into it. And when we go about our daily lives, we have to make these implicit contracts and exchanges. Sometimes they're explicit, you know, they're in a form or legal contract of some kind, but most of the time it's implicit. You go and you assume that the other party knows what's obliged to them and they'll fulfill their end of things. If you're in a job, you might work a little bit harder, hoping that your boss will see how hard you've been working, and next time there's a promotion, she'll think of you for it. If you're in a marriage, you might expect that if you make dinner, they will do the dishes. And you shouldn't have to explain every single exchange that you engage in day in and day out. Sometimes they're just implicit. So, for instance, if I got up here and I said, you know, everyone, I've prepared this really hard homily to give, and I'd really appreciate all your respectful silence. Agreed? And they go, agreed. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't do that. We couldn't explicitly state every time we had to make an exchange with someone else. Sometimes just things have to go unsaid. But as a result of this, disappointment is inevitable. Because sometimes we think that the other person has totally understood what's obliged to them, and they don't have any idea that they're, ex- that you're expecting them to do that thing. Or they do what you've, you've asked of them, but not entirely, or at least not as much as you thought. So disappointment becomes inevitable. And indeed, each time we fulfill our end of the exchange and they don't, we begin to not only doubt that other person, but we begin to doubt every single contract that we go into. We doubt that anyone is going to uphold their end of the bargain. If one person's untrustworthy, maybe another person will be too. So when we encounter God making promises to his people, it can be hard sometimes to believe that that will be actually the case. God, how do I know that you're not going to let me down like everyone else has? How do I know that if I give up everything to you, that you're not going to leave me hung out to dry? God has a lot to say on this matter. 
But there are three things in particular that he says to us in our passages this evening. Look what I have already done for you. How's my record? Am I trustworthy or not? Two, keep on me. Don't let me forget. And three, nothing with me is ever truly lost. Our psalmist stresses God as the one who delivered his people from Egypt. I eased his shoulder from the burden. His hands were freed from the load. In different words, God says, you should not have any doubt about me and what I am willing to do for you at this point, Israel. Have you ever been in a predicament where each time you come up to it, you go through it just fine? But for some reason, each time it comes up, you get really, really nervous about it and you prepare extra hard to make sure that it doesn't turn out the worst case scenario, even though each other time you've been through it, it's been totally fine. I have a friend whose wife is brilliant, but he tells me that every time she comes to get ready for an exam, she panics and studies extra hard and does the late nights and everything, and she always aces it every time because... She's brilliant and doesn't need to do all this extra worrying prep because every time she's done it, it's turned out exactly fine. But for some reason, whenever she approaches it, it just seizes her up. Because for some reason, for a lot of us, it feels wiser to worry than to trust. You know, we've been really lucky the past few times, but we shouldn't assume that it will always go this well. I know for the past 15 times this has turned out just okay, but this could be the time when everything will go badly, so we just need to prepare just in case. And it feels wiser to prepare for a letdown than to trust and then suffer not only not getting what you want, but also having lost something because you were just too trusting. For the Israelites, it might look something like this. We know that Yahweh delivered us from Egypt. But will he take care of us in the desert? You know, one of these Egyptian gods at least got us our meals. Let's get Aaron and let's melt down some gold and build a golden calf just to make extra sure that we are going to be fed. Not that we've had any reason to distrust this God who delivered us, but we're still anxious. Is it rational to take these precautions when we've had no reason to distrust the one who has been so faithful to us? No, it's actually much wiser and more rational to trust someone whose record to you has been trustworthy and faithful. Look what I have already done for you. How is my record? How do I hold up? Now, perhaps you have trusted God, or you have taken the big gamble, and you've taken the big bargain. But boy, it's been a long time coming since the other person has fulfilled their end of it. The other party assures you, no, 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 next week, next week, I promise. And then it's the next week. Then it's the next week after that. And you're just never sure if this person is ever going to fulfill their end of things. 
in what now feels like a past life in 2013. Remember 2013. Obama was president. The world was at somewhat more peace. 2013 was a nice time. I was in Scotland, and I was pursuing a master's of theology to become a biblical scholar. And after much prayerful discernment, seeing that my heart for God and for his people and for the poor was so large that my vocation in academia just wasn't, wasn't going to satisfy it, wasn't going to cut it. I felt called to pursue a vocation of ministry in the church. And coming back to Toronto from Scotland was the greatest sacrifice I have personally ever made. Giving up what was going to be a very promising academic career to want to serve the church and the poor in Toronto. Well, it's been seven years now, several failed attempts, many heartbreaks along the way, and nearly a second master's degree later. And to be honest, at this stage, the wait is getting a little trying. It's not impatience or the pride of I'm so ready for this or the lack of gratitude for my opportunities to even minister to you this evening. But it's being so exhausted from the period of waiting, from endurance, that I despair that fulfillment is ever going to come. prophet Isaiah gives extremely bold advice for those with unfulfilled hopes. You who remind the Lord, take no rest and give him no rest. For if God is really sworn by his right hand, then don't dare let him forget it. And it's not that God is obligated to us, or that God is going to be that friend you text and wait a month for for a reply. is just forgotten about. But it is to say that we should nag, persist, harass God in prayer. Christ elsewhere in the Gospels gives a parable about a widow who harasses an unjust judge for a fair sentence. And Christ says she's a model to us as to how we should pray. And so too Isaiah admonishes to keep on him. Not so that he won't forget us, but that's so we will not grow cold and hopeless in waiting or to forget what it is that we truly want. Keep on me. You don't do this with people, but God, God can take it. So to see what God has already done for us and in keeping on him, Christ leaves us finally with the recognition that there could be nothing sacrificed for his sake that we will not receive from him again with the gift of his own self, eternal life. See, in our daily contracts and exchanges with one another, the assumption is I give up something small and I will get something greater in return. But what Christ is actually suggesting is that, yes, it's impossible for a rich person to enter into heaven. So good on you, Peter, for giving up everything that you've had to follow me. But do not despair. For even the things you have given up for me, you will receive again anew 
What an extraordinary promise. That there is no sacrifice made for Christ that will be irreparably lost forever. The need that we have to make doubly sure that we won't lose anything in the exchange is superfluous. For we're not even truly losing the things that we are offering up. The sense of hopeless desire, of praying for something that seems to never just come to fruition, is undone by God's admonishment to us to keep the flame of our hopes ever alive in our persistence with him. We have given up everything to follow you. And as we offer our prayers this evening unto whom all hearts are known, unto whom all hearts are open and all desires known, from whom no secrets are hid, let us be assured that there are no caveats that we have to make to protect ourselves from irreparable loss with him. That it will be our persistence that will keep our desires ever before his face. And that despite even the appearance that we have lost everything we have considered of value for his sake, that nothing is truly lost, for not only will we receive back all that we offered, we will receive it back with his own self, eternal life, who is the hope of every longing heart, who gives everything in our lives its value and goodness to us, and is himself infinitely more valuable than anything that we could offer. Amen.